This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This month, Downfall of Gaia will release their new album, Ethic of Radical Finitude, via Metal Blade Records. Ethic of Radical Finitude is the quartet's most melodic, structured, and dynamic release to date, and once more builds upon the epic and unique sludgy, crusty, exploratory, metallic sound that has organically evolved with every release. Purchase your copy now at metalblade.com slash downfall of Gaia. Once again, metalblade.com slash downfall of Gaia. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is I, your host, Petter Speich, and I am always joined by... Hello, second-class citizens. Oh, that was messed up. I'm Whoa! <laughs> hey, it's Brandon Gooch. Han, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at your buddy Gooch. We are not those kind of metal fans. I was like, oh, uh... man, that came out so bad. <laughs> Why did like, you say that? I just like to start... Because I'm like the guy... Here's the thing. Like, all the people I love and care about, I always insult them as yeah. jokes. You know what I mean? And it's like, so I, it's like, hey, what's up, guys? I love it. I love it. Hey, oh. Oh, no, like, Brandon oh, does call was... me ugly at least once a week. Yeah, no, I never, <laughs> I never do that. I have lines, <laughs> but apparently second class, second citizens. class, second class, class citizens. Citizens. totally. Yeah. But I'm not going to yeah. tell him. But Jaws got obviously has superior <laughs> cheekbones. I'm not going <laughs> to. And I'm also always joined by uh, Jocelyn Sharp with the superior cheekbones over here. So uh, hello, second class cheekbones. You can follow me on. <laughs> you can follow her at cheekbones at <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter at Jocelyn Sharp. And you can follow me guys at Rise to Offend Facebook, Twitter, Rise to Offend official on Instagram. This week, got to chat with Danny Filth from Cradle of Filth. I'm such a huge fan of the band. Such a fun chat. It's coming up, guys. But we're here to promote their North American tour, which starts March 7th. It runs all the way through April 18th. That's going to be with Wednesday 13 and Raven Black. So make sure you check out those dates, guys. But before we get to that chat with Danny, let's talk about some of the Metal Sucks news this week, guys. I'm just going to read the headline. Go for it. That's Go. all I'm going to do. Go, Daddy. And then we're going to talk about it. Did I make that weird? That you called him Daddy? Yeah. Yeah, you made it really weird. <laughs> yeah, you made it really weird. kind of like that. God damn it. <laughs> Can you know Daddy, what? Can Daddy go? I just want everyone to know this <laughs> go, podcast Daddy, studio just got a little more moist and I'm yeah, uncomfortable. All right, go, Daddy, go. Motley Crue accuses Kiss of thievery. Okay. Loving it. Okay. <laughs> this is so ludicrous, but it, we're going to go through the story real quick. Okay. So Tommy Lee was the first to send out an Instagram post of a video of Kiss doing their final performance where he's like, hey, this looks identical to Motley Crue's final tour. In essence, they're using cranes. Pretty much is what I see. And then they have, you know, confetti and kind of fire. Okay. And then Nikki Six on top of that as well. Hey, he puts a body shot pretty much exactly of him and Gene Simmons, both the bass players. Oh, wow. It's coming. It's getting real hairy here. Using cranes. Now, I want you guys to know that. Cranes? Cranes. Cranes. What is a crane? Never heard of it before. Seems super yeah. original. It was yeah. actually a bird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what everybody's out there is thinking that Motley Crue invented using cranes. They did. Actually, I remember actually, that. Actually, Motley Crue invented cranes, <laughs> not using them. Just the they just <laughs> were like, dude, we got some shit that's really high up. How are we going to do it? Mick, get to the drawing board. <laughs> we might need to use hydraulics here <laughs> in some sort of way. Vince is like, I know a guy. <laughs> Vince Neil probably knows a guy for exactly. everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. everything. Yeah, he definitely is a crane guy for sure. He's got, crane He's got like a cousin actually, that owns a construction company in like Poughkeepsie or something. The, the original name for a crane was actually Motley Crane. <laughs> it was. <laughs> they just dropped the Motley, and Crane has lived since the twenties. I thought one of us was supposed to be devil's advocate on this. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm devil's advocate. Go, Brandon is devil's advocate. So how, Brandon? Brandon is going to defend Motley Crue's uh, accusations against those horrible thieves' kiss. Tell, well, let me tell you, your point of view to Let us. me tell you a little story, okay? It's about Rat Tail Jimmy, mm. and he was a secondhand hood, and he ran Hollywood. 
You're the worst at this. (laughs) You are so bad at devil's advocate. Like, I am firing you from devil's advocate. Okay, so wait, what what, what exactly? So you're asking me why I'm I'm supposed to react to... You're supposed to defend Motley Crue. Okay. That's what devil's advocate is. We do this every week. I think he thinks that devil's advocate is just when you're in a movie with Robert De Niro. First off, it's Al Pacino. (laughs) Al Pacino, you asshole. You asshole. I'm 30. That movie came out when I was like three. What do you want from me? (laughs) Then don't reference it. Look, all all mob actors (laughs) look like to me. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. So Motley Crue, I'm supposed to be like, hey, kiss you thieves. Yes. Okay. That's, I'm starting it you're, off. Yeah, now, your you're kiss? Supposed, you're supposed to defend them. Okay. Why? Okay. <laughs> Motley Crue. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like if they did it first, I could understand why they were But upset. did they do it first? No, they didn't do it first. But <laughs> you bailed on Devil's Advocate immediately. Because I think what happened was, is it's the fact that they went on tour not that long ago. Okay, and I just think that the fact that Kiss used their stuff so soon after Motley Crue was done with it, then they're like, hey, what the fuck? You took our idea. I'm sorry, but like hydraulics and cranes and pyrotechnics are not original on uh, any... I'm saying for an arena rock band, yeah. these things have been part of the staple of that genre. Like genre I want to say since like late 80s. I've My seen thing people is, use though, this in like one of those rock and roll churches. All like, I'm saying what is... What are you talking is, about? All I'm saying is, is, is if Motley Crue <laughs> ever... Priest comes out on yeah. like a grain and like... <laughs> Pyrotechnics. Like, you are know? you ready for Jesus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like, Molly Crow stole from All I'm saying is, is if Molly Crow stole from God. <laughs> if Molly Crew ever gets back together and goes back on a tour, you could guarantee I could guarantee you Mick Mars is gonna start coughing up blood right on stage. You know I mean? <laughs> Granted, it's gonna be for real, not stage, but you know what I'm saying. And then when Tommy Thayer does it, not it's original. a rap. He's not stole. original. He's it's stole. a rap. It will be the first backstage pass to have to have a wheelchair ramp built into it for the group. <laughs> exactly. But I want it to be like a half pipe. <laughs> half pipe drop in. Because they're old. You're all old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Motley Crue's old. And the, and the main thing that I think that the article did say is that Motley Crue stole from Kiss. Um, yeah. In so many ways. In so many ways. And, and so for them to even have this like, wow, you guys took our thunder from this show that we stopped doing three years ago. Can Dude, we, every, hair, every hair band from the 80s ripped off Kiss directly. Yeah, and can we all agree just like glam rock in itself wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Kiss? Can exactly. we all just agree on that? And oh, shout, our lives? It, shout it, shout it, shout it out loud. Yeah. Everybody agrees. Everybody right. agrees with that. There's no devil's advocate here. Oh, you we'll, just missed that reference. I know, we got it. No, we got it. We're we just, it. we're used to him now, so we just move on. Yeah. All you, we, we know you're going to reference Kiss songs the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. He's going to spend this whole conversation looking between, he frantically, his eyes Eyes will dart between me and Pete, trying to figure out where he can jump in with a kiss lyric. I'm going I'm to move on to the next story, and all of a sudden you're going to hear Beth's lyrics from Brandon. Yep. That's a guarantee. Yeah. That's a guarantee. So moving on to the next story, Paul Stanley's 98-year-old dad. Paul Stanley of Kiss. We're still on Kiss, guys. He went to and attended a Kiss show in Los Angeles. I think that's a magical moment. And then Paul Stanley on his Instagram, he said, the oldest Kiss fan to ever show up at a concert. He'll be 99 in April. I love when, when people put out things of their family. And the fact that his dad's 99 years old. He looks great. Mm-hmm. He looks great. How's his love gun, though? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> he left it in Detroit Rock City. Um, <laughs> yes! <laughs> You could have said he left oh. him in Beth, but... Ah, yes. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Whoa, Pete. Pete. God, God damn. You call him daddy once, all of a sudden he just gets real sexy up in here. Whoa. <laughs> Normally, we're the one making the inappropriate joke. Oh, li- I feel a little like I did make the inappropriate joke, but I figured you guys would use Beth in some way. Jesus. Beth would get used somehow. That sounded God. bad, too, right? God too. Okay. damn. I mean, God damn. God gave rock and roll to you. I apologize to our Beth listeners. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and for those of you who put a love gun in your hoo-ha. <laughs> and if you did get a love gun in there, may I suggest fishing line next time? Exactly. <laughs> and you might need to get a shot. Tetanus. Go. And here's the thing while we're so bitter. We're real bitter because we kind of feel like we got thieved this week. Yeah. Is a that co- a word? Thieved? We got thieved. Yeah. <laughs> we, got, we got stolen from Let's us. just okay. say that Pete's not the best with words. Yeah, exactly. He's not great at reading them. Nope. <laughs> not great at repeating them. He's not the readingest guy there is. <laughs> I, was, I, I was taught English by people where it was their second language. 
As evidenced by the grammar in that sentence yeah, just exactly. there. <laughs> yeah. I think thieved is a word. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're both wrong. Your grammarizing is not good. We were plagiarized, though. I think, I feel like we were. So a couple weeks ago, um, we keep getting these hashtag chicken dicks, chicken dick 2020, because Brandon, oh, yes. we created a bit. It was fake, so good. A fake movie called Cockadoodle Dude. That's the name of the, of the bit that we did, was Cockadoodle Dude. If you guys didn't hear it, we're going to play a quick clip of that. Meet Gus. He's a great neighbor and a good friend. Let me get that for you. Thanks, Gus. You're a good neighbor and a great friend. But what they don't know is that Gus has a very dark secret. His dick is a chicken. (laughs) Dude, your dick. How? A gypsy cursed me. Those filthy sons of bitches. That's enough. Now he's... (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, chicken dick, he says a few times in that thing. But the point is, we all know that Game of Thrones is ending. And so HBO decided to replace it with a new show. And this is what we, we, we heard the teaser. This is what it is. He's the bad cop. Tell me where the girl is, scumbag. And his partner is the worst cop. Get that thing away from me, man. And his dick. <laughs> his dick may be a chicken, but that doesn't mean he's a cop who plays by the rules. You two idiots blew up a daycare. How am I supposed to explain this to the mayor? <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. What did he just say? Well, he said the bad guys got cranky and we gave him their neck. <laughs> and women find him irresistible. You saved my life. I can think of so many ways I could thank you and your partner. See that bag of feet over there? Get a handful and hold it in front of Cecil's beak. Like this? Oh, just like that. He's, he's really hungry. Chicken dick vice. So let me get this straight. You're a man who has a chicken for a penis? Yes, why is that so hard to understand? But chickens are females. That means you have a female bird for your male private parts? I mean, I can understand you had a rooster for a... Cecil, you just killed our only witness. (laughs) Beware crime. You're in big, clucking trouble. Oh, yes, dude. I smell... Thieved. Cable Emmy. (laughs) <laughs> is there cable ace awards ace awards is there I, I, think cable ace called, I think it's just a, called i think it's just called emmys yeah, now bro. Emmy, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's, it's gonna be there we don't care yeah so uh we we lost we the... got jamie lee curtis the star is the chicken <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <What>? i don't <laughs> know <laughs> so we got st- we got th- we got st- we got thieved we got totally thieved just like motley because we didn't, but here's the thing is we didn't invent chicken dick no. it, it was alive before we made the cockadoodle dude Wait, 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 what are you talking about? No, chicken dick was something that came from my beautiful mind. No, I'm talking about actual chicken dicks. Oh, yes. Oh, that's what you're talking about? <laughs> you're talking, we didn't invent, yeah, no shit. Like a crane, me. bro. Yeah, like, like, like a crane. We're, we're doing this like a crane. Uh, yeah, well, I'll have you guys know that, um, uh, I, okay, I don't have anything for that. Yep. I'm, I'm sorry, I blew it. We'll, we'll go back to. A uh, thousand Motley Crue lyrics and you couldn't make one chicken pun? I'm so disappointed in you as a comic. Oh, God. Come uh, on. You're the biggest Motley Crue fan. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of something. Probably are the biggest Motley Crue fan. <laughs> um, anyway, so. Um, I will say that's what closed the deal on my, my wife and I. The very first uh, time my wife and I made love, I got free tickets to go see Motley Crue and we went for and saw Motley making Mot- love to her? We, yeah. <laughs> Just for, yeah. I banged her out. She's like, you know what? <laughs> Why don't you head up, head up the front row and scream, girls, 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 as high as you can, because you deserve it, buckaroo. She gave me a tossle of the hair and a smack on my bottom, and I was right out the dough. I did like how Motley Crue didn't accuse them of uh, using uh, backing tracks like Vince Neil did during the Oh, my show. God. Dude, I dude. saw the Motley Crue end show, and I mean, it was it was virtually, I don't think he sang a note in that thing. It was like lip singing, the whole, the whole show. And I've heard Kiss is doing that, but I haven't seen it, so I don't want to say nothing. But like, it's funny how they call it the cranes, but they don't call it the the excessive backing tracks. <clears throat> anyway, it's insane to me that they're calling it. They'd be like, those guys wore pants on stage. They ripped us off. Yeah. We also wear <laughs> pants on stage. Like it makes no sense to me. It's like a senile person's thought. Moving on to a story that we uh, a we, senile person. That's thought. what it sounds like to me. <laughs> I could just see Vince Neil <laughs> and Nikki Six screaming at him in their pajamas. <laughs> God damn it, Cash! Back in my day, we used creams without hydraulics. <laughs> Moving on, guys, to the All That Remains story of the death of Ollie Herbert. 
Well, yeah. This this person's name is Beth. So a lot of Beth this week. Yeah. A lot of Beth. Anyways, um, Phil Labonte, frontman of All That Remains. His guitar player, as we mentioned, died in October. Then, if you guys haven't been following the story, I'm just going to hit the points real quick. He drowned last year in a, in a pond at the age of 44. Uh, I believe it was in October. And then his wife, Beth, released a really strange statement, which she claimed that the toxicology report showed antidepressants and a sleep aid in Ollie's system at the time of his death. But then police have an opened an investigation into his death, labeling it s- suspicious. And then we find out that Beth had Ollie make out a new will, leaving Beth everything just a week before his death and take everything away from his family. Very suspicious, all those things. So they asked Phil Labonte, all that remains front man, his thoughts on Beth. Not if she killed Ollie or had something to do with his death, just his thoughts. And this is what he said. Beth was never to be around. To be on tour. She would come to the local shows because, you know, we couldn't stop her. Everyone else in the band, you know, wives, girlfriends, whatever, they would come out on tour, stay for a few days, stay for a week. Everybody got along. We, the band, made the decision that Beth couldn't come on tour and she wasn't allowed because she was a garbage human being. We tried to get Ollie to get a divorce from Beth for a long time, but I can say that I personally talked to him and said multiple times, look, if you need a place to stay, I got plenty of room. And then he went on to discuss... If Ollie would his his drinking and if he did drugs, and this is what Phil responded with. A drummer is the big drinker in the band. A drummer used to be like Ollie, do shots. And Ollie would be like, shots are for adolescents. He liked mixed drinks. He liked good beers. But he wasn't into the drinking and stuff. He would have some drinks, but I would never recall Ollie in 20 years. I've seen him hungover two times. It wasn't his deal. He loved just playing the guitar. Ollie Herbert did not. Do the type of drugs that you would associate with an overdose, period. Never saw him do the type of drugs that you would associate with, you know, somebody overdosing and dying on. That's what he says. They asked him if he thinks that circumstances were suspicious, and Phil Labonte did not comment further comment on that. So that's where we're at. Sounds like a smart guy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, he definitely, he, he, he let it be known that Beth is a garbage human being. I mean, I don't really think there's a, there's he spoke no, there's about no what he could area. for sure be honest about yeah. and knew and, you know. But at the same time. The garbage though, human being is not a murderer. Obviously, yeah, exactly. we're saying that, but, but I think in, in a lot of ways, his statement towards what he said is going to make people believe that she still has something to do with it. Well, totally obviously, true. I mean, if, if we're calling this death an overdose and he's saying, I've never seen him do drugs that he could overdose on, which translated to me sounds like, I mean, obviously this is speculation that I saw him smoke weed a couple times, but that's it, you know? You're right. And so if, if that was my friend, I would also be like, I don't know how he could overdose when he doesn't do any of those drugs. True, but at the same time, how many pill poppers that you, okay, like all the pill poppers that I know that all of a sudden came to the realization that they have it a bad problem, uh, I didn't know they had a problem until they told me they had a problem. It's true. I mean, it's like... It's some a medication pe- you can hide. Some yes. people are good at hiding it, yeah. Yeah, that's a medication you can hide where heroin isn't. All I'm, sa- just I'm just saying that maybe it's a terrible coincidence that they changed the will a week before, but I've seen this episode of Criminal Minds a bunch of times. Right. You know, I'm just saying that's what that's this is every science point to this. And although Phil's not saying anything about it, we've talked about it a couple times. Like, and we don't have any updates, obviously, so we don't know anything for sure. But all we can say is that this is there's a lot of strangeness around this. Yeah, exactly. Usually, usually a story like this involves like you know, if it's a crime scene, it's like like a TV crime scene. There's got to be semen somewhere, but there right. is no. There's not. There's, there's nowhere for us to go. There's nowhere for us to go. Yeah. So now there's no, there's no arrows. There's yeah. no semen. We have no evidence. Well, there's semen, but there's not. <laughs> semen in this particular case. <laughs> I can't believe you went there. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I'm still hung up on love. He dog. called you daddy. What are you yeah, surprised come on, about? Daddy. <laughs> come on, dad. Yeah, you bring, bring out the semen smelly pug. I was like, <laughs> 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 and they're like, no, no. <laughs> back, back, back. Did we just figure out another bit for I next think semen smelling oh, pug. Semen smelling <laughs> pug. Oh, God, I'm loving it. I guess where we're going. <laughs> we owe the people scrot the raven, but <laughs> semen smelling pug might happen. Oh, dude, it could be know. like a, it could be like the new Turner and Hooch. You know, they say these serious news stories. There's no way that Jocelyn and Gooch can turn them into a jizz joke, and I say nay. Yeah, yeah. how dare you? <laughs> Don't you dare sell us short, guys. <laughs> these two and jizz jokes, anything goes. Exactly, you go for it. Anything right? goes. You come to me. You tell me who's better. You tell me a better duo. <laughs> I don't fucking think so. Not when it comes to just jokes. That's why I 
have you guys here. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> we are the Abbott and Costello of jizz jokes. What makes our metal interview podcast special? Jizz jokes. Just jokes. Uh, Thank not you. really, probably. <laughs> There's probably many jizz jokes on many other shows. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, whatever. Uh, listen, jizz is oh, funny. Wow. Let's all just come to terms with it. And have Man, we, I was it's laughing. the best word ever invented. I, I don't know laughing. if jizz is funny, but I know a jizz-smelling police pug is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you. The worst part Even is Pete goes. saying it is so funny. Pete goes. Pete's, Pete actually just said <laughs> this. He goes. Jizz sniffing dog. He's like the one thing that separates this show is the jizz jokes. He goes. Oh, there's probably a bunch of shows doing jizz. So I was like, one minute I was high on it, and I was like, oh, we're unoriginal. Uh, <laughs> That's like what, what dad does. That's what dads do. <laughs> yeah, you're nobody. It. You're they not that. It. You're not that good at basketball, <laughs> LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I wasn't around. Yeah. Why can't you be the dad that tells everybody that I'm going to be pro when I'm in high school? Yeah. I, hey. <laughs> I am that dad. I swear. <laughs> yeah, I am that dad. And uh, I got it. <clears throat> okay. Sorry. What the <laughs> hell was that? <laughs> what the fuck was that? That's the noise the jizz sniffing pug well, makes when it finds jizz. Guys, I just took a sip of the Gatorade and it went down the wrong hole. Is that a- oh, man. Yeah, hey, Pete, the jizz smelling host. <laughs> <laughs> just- I bet I could walk in a room and smell jizz. Hey, I know that smell. <laughs> <laughs> why Why are you so familiar? I know I can smell jizz because of how close it's been to my nose so many times, but why do you know? God, I can just see the movie right now. I can just see the scene right now. <laughs> I like, can't answer that. Go, I plead the film. <laughs> yeah. I can just see the scene right now. They're just like, oh, God. He's like, oh, what a terrible crime scene. I know there's got to be some jizz around here. They call in the Serbian. They do that like uh, <laughs> they do that like kiss the girl cinematography shot where like the pugs, the camera's on the ground following the pug, oh, fastly yeah. sniffing in <laughs> the woods. You're looking talking for like Evil jizz. Dead one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Evil Dead camera thing <laughs> going through the fucking woods. Just a little pug. <laughs> a little pug. <laughs> oh. That bit's happening. It's yeah, happening. That, that bit's happening. Just I'm sorry, guys, but that, that bit's happening. First off, you need to be apologizing because now i got to make it. So. Hashtag 2020. Hashtag chicken dick. Hashtag just smelling pug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who are you voting for? <laughs> we'll probably be naming that just smelling pug next week. I don't know yet. I don't right. know yet. We'll figure we'll, it we'll out. We'll think about it. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, I don't know if I want to do it next week because I, like I like to put something else out and they're going to go, huh? I thought it was getting just smelling pug, and then boom. Oh, we want to. We're gonna. We're gonna make them wait. I, exactly. I like to make them wait. I, doing, this is what <laughs> I do. From it's like muscle memory. You know what I mean? They're like, they, I, I build them up. And they're like, oh, and then and then when they get it, then they're like way excited. How many people? How many? Diehard Metal Sucks listeners were so stoked to hear Chicken Dick Vice <laughs> today. Today well, they were so excited. There was a lot of so emails about the Chicken Dick. Bro, please I mean, tweet I, I us. Was amazed. Please tweet us if you enjoy Chicken Dick, and tweet us if you want to hear just smelling pug. Just matter tweet of fact, us. tweet us. Tweet us a picture you can draw of Chicken Dick Vice. Draw, <laughs> draw. If any with of his you, partner, the just smelling pug. Yes. <laughs> if any of you are amazing artists, dude, do us that favor. So moving on, guys. We want to talk about another story that we're stoked about. We. We love the happy news. We don't like to just shit on things, obviously. The Ghost Inside, we as metal fans or any rock band fans have been cheering for this band to make a comeback, and they have announced their first official show since that horrific bus crash that happened back in 2015. It is happening in Los Angeles, guys, at the Shrine on Saturday, July 13th. I want everybody to know tickets are going to go on sale this Friday, March 1st. This thing needs to be sold out. Fly out, check it out, buy your tickets March 1st. This is going to be a real special occasion for all us fans. So make sure you guys, hopefully they're going to film it. I don't know any of that details. That's all whatever. But the fact that they worked so hard to get back on their feet and put a show out for you guys, the fans of that band, this is a very important thing for us in this community. So make sure you guys do it. For us, it's a quick jaunt over to Los Angeles, and we are going all to try to make it. Just like you guys Definitely can. go. Airbnbs are super cheap right now. Like, you can go have an awesome time, and we can support these people that are so fucking awesome for still coming back and giving us more music. Amazing. So, and then the last story we want to talk about, something good, something like a little shit-talking. Gary Holt, guitarist of Slayer, attacked the Kardashians one more time. Now, he hates the Kardashians. If you guys haven't seen him wearing the Kill the Kardashians shirt, he's got a very, just, I don't know, rage for them. And this is, this is what he's attacking this time. I thought it was kind of funny, is that, Kim Kardashian, she tweeted the following. It's devastating to see these fashion companies rip off designs that have taken the blood, sweat, and tears of true designers who have put their all into their own original ideas. That's fair. Let's just stop there. That's fair. 
I've watched these companies profit off my husband's work for years, and now that it is also affecting designers who have been so generous to give me access to their beautiful works, I can no longer sit silent. Okay, so that's her gripe. <clears throat> Gary Holt does have a response to that, uh, a response that a lot of us metalheads probably uh, see coming from a mile away. And this is Gary Holt's response. It's devastating to see these fashion companies rip off designs that have taken the blood, sweat, and tears of true designers who have put their all into their own original ideas. That was her quote. So says this dumb fuck from a dumb fuck family with the longest history of ripping off designers on this earth. Like when they thought nothing of taking musicians' album covers without permission and slapping their faces over them for $120 t-shirts or buying one of each design by a designer, paper trail leading straight to them, then copying them down to the last thread. Google Kardashian fashion ripoffs. Hey, Kim, go fuck yourself. Hashtags kill the Kardashians. All right, the hashtag's a little much. Yeah, that hashtag's way <laughs> let's just change that to it's, Let's just change that to hashtag flip off the Kardashians. That, that I'll, gave, I'll, I'll accept yeah, that. That gave me like the same feeling I get when you see that Facebook video of somebody like losing their mind at a Taco Bell at somebody because they're out of lettuce or something. Yeah, no like, shit, yeah. Hashtag, hashtag skin the Kardashians. It's a like, little whoa. much. It's a little much. <laughs> yeah. But I do agree because there was all that controversy. I remember this when they put their faces on the album cover and everyone was like, yo, you can't just like take somebody's art. Like you can't do that. And there's been instances of this and although it has a point in that if you're going to call out all these people for quote unquote ripping off people then you better be prepared to show that everything you do is original. I understand what he's saying and yeah people like that see when well, you he's at, 100% right there's yeah. they, they they did virtually steal album arts and do exactly what he just said and like if you google that you'll see that uh, we're not going to say kill the Kardashians who gives a shit about that but um Unfortunately, how about ignore the Kardashians? Yeah, something I like mean, that. really, and dude, if you really want to kill the Kardashians, ignore them. Ignore them. Yeah. Stop following them on Instagram. Stop fucking making them Don't out tweet to be at anybody. Them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you really want to kill those people, the chance of them, what's the chance of Kim Kardashian actually reading Gary Holt's tweet? Zero. Zero. Yeah, exactly. Like she, she gets tweeted a million and a half times a day, and that's just by dudes trying to send her a dick pic. Like, it's like not, it's like, is that, really? there's a sea of, yeah, I get, there, I know she gets more than me, you know? So. Right. That's how Jocelyn judges <laughs> fame right there. Yeah, how many dick pics do you get? That's, how my, that's yeah. my fame barometer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, I only have 12 Twitter followers, but so many dick she's, pics. She's one of the most famous people in the world. Right. I mean, at the end of the day. And he, she's not going to read this, but, it, but really my, you're not. And this is to anyone tweeting at anyone famous. You're not going to make this famous person read your tweet and go, you know what? You're right. I should do things differently. Right. That's never going to happen. You can't make your neighbor do that. Well, especially when you're but the- her fans are going to read that thing and be like, way to go, Kim. Like, I'm just saying, like, it's. But that's what I'm getting. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it upsets me. But that I'm glad he called her out. Yeah. It upsets me that these people try to pretend like they're regular. Yeah. Kardashians, you can't bitch about anything. Yeah, there is nothing yeah. that you were allowed to complain about. Your you life are allowed- is cushy. Exactly. No matter. Matter how bad, and it goes like this. And, and the reason I'm going to disagree with that. I'm, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say that. I they wouldn't don't, say cushy either because their life has no privacy and like bro, there's a lot. Of, yeah, 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 that's a, a horrible thing. way to live. But at the same time, though, the reason. But they're only going for followers. That's it. That's the that's, that's, the how, that's how they're living yeah. their lives though. Is they're putting their lives out there and taking all these dumb selfies and shit just so everyone will uh, stick around for some reason and they keep on doing. There's the the problem is those they're not offering any good content. So why is this happening? This is the power of the consumer though. Why are you going to tweet at the Kardashians? Like no, not offense to Gary Hold, obviously not like he's going to listen to this and tweet me, but uh, <laughs> he's going to dumb bitch kill Jocelyn Sharp. <laughs> kill Jocelyn. Actually, if Gary Hold tweeted me. Kill Jocelyn Sharp, I would be so happy. It would yeah. be the best day of my You'd be life. Like, wow, all right, uh, I made it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think that when you tweet these people, I think that you're just you're only signal boosting them. Like, and you just have to be aware as a consumer that right now, tweeting somebody or retweeting them is the same as purchasing something of theirs. So instead of tweeting at these people you hate, why don't you go buy an album or a movie you love? And let's let's move towards that direction. I agree with that, and and. and- but yeah, the Kardashians' life, no, no matter you, the way you look at it, I can guarantee you that they're more prisoners than we are. Yeah. Yes. Okay? And that's something that uh, people aren't going to look at it like they got nothing to complain about. They have much to complain about, but it's something that fa- fame, is, uh, fame is not <clears throat> healthy or good for anyone. You know, So I don't know anything about them, but I have a lot of sympathy for them. Because, God damn it, I have bad days. We all have bad days. And you're not allowed to have a bad day when you're a famous person. You have to be so on point. And dude, can you imagine being like, as the security guard's ready, I gotta go get fucking milk. 
<laughs> that's like, the only reason it's I'm, impossible, bro. So no, you that's the only reason milk. I'm okay with Gary Holt tweeting them though, because yeah, he can he can relate. He can relate what it's like to be a little bit of a prisoner to your fans. Not, uh, you know what I mean? Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere near, nowhere near. But but I can't I can't relate at all. You know, I can't relate at all what it's like to like just want to go to the grocery store for five seconds and not be able. Let's to. face it. If we saw Gary Holt on the street, we'd give him a dollar. I would. I'd be like, you look rough, buddy. I like that kill the Kardashian shirt. Here's a dollar. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'm Gary Oda, but a guitar player, one of the greatest goddamn metal bands you ever heard. Oh, he's mentally ill. <laughs> you guys are dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag no, love Gary him. Holt. We love him. This Hashtag is love Gary love. Holt. Yeah, I already so. said if he tweeted that he wanted me to die, I would be my best day of my life. That's how much I love Gary Holt. <laughs> so, and now on to our interview, guys, with Danny Filth of Cradle of Filth. Hey everybody, it's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Danny Filth from Cradle of Filth. And we are here to talk about Cradle of Filth's upcoming North American tour, which is starting March 7th right here in my hometown of Las Vegas and going all the way to April 18th. Joining you on support will be Wednesday 13 and Raven Black. Now we were talking before I had an audio error on my part about Las Vegas. You said you love the big breakfasts and the dive bars out here because you always do come out here. Is there something about this town that you do find fascinating compared to the rest of the world? The attraction of it to so many idiots. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, that's no offense. I, I just see a vast majority of people just, you know, go in and just play slot machines. So you are not a gambler. You are absolutely not into that at all. No, I... I I well saying that I was trying to coax my girlfriend into gambling only a week ago in in, in Spain, um, but she rightly she won, she did really well. She won some money and just went, no, that's my luck done. I could feel it, which I did in in, in Vegas. I won like forty dollars on a slot machine and then just bought an oversized drink that had another drink orbiting it. It was that big, and <laughs> um, just thought, yeah, that's it. I don't get this affiliation and attraction to gambling now, especially here in uh, the UK and Europe. I mean, it's like now that cigarettes aren't allowed to be advertised and alcohol on TV, it's all about the gambling. And I think it's possibly a more destructive force than either of the other two aforementioned uh, offending articles. Yeah, that's that's strange. It's funny how you can pick the vices to advertise that's that's kind of funny yeah absolutely yeah 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 i mean out here me being born and raised uh, we we gamble scarcely because we see so many of the parents you know lose their houses and things so we're like yeah you know because when you're born and raised in a, an environment like that you you learn not to do what the grown-ups do you know yeah, 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 exactly. So one thing I do love about that you did a few times, you don't do it all the time, but you guys keep a tour blog uh, on cradleoffilth.com. It's it's really cool because you take pictures of and you kind of break down how touring life really is from meal to showers, things like that. Are you planning to do that for this North American tour? Well, planning a lot of things, but um, that generally changes when you get there because you suddenly realize, you know, getting up at half past seven and going to the gym and then doing a bit of yoga and then having a fully, you know, organic breakfast and then doing your blog. And then he's like, by, by week two, that's all out the window. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, 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 you know, the, the thought is there, but I don't know if it's going to, because after a while, it, if you miss out on it, like you have a few di- really busy days and you always do, there'll be a, a part where you hit something like Chicago and New York in the same week and it's just busy, busy, busy. And then you neglect something like the blog and then it just becomes a burden because you go, Oh shit, I've got a day off and I've got to, I've got to catch up on that when all I want to do is sleep and watch TV and, you know, chill or like speak to speak to family. We try to be very, very um, professional on this tour, but it does, you know, with time, you know, that, that kind of breaks down a bit. Really. <laughs> it sounds like you, you have a lot of things that you want to continually do and keep moving. And then eventually you have to let what priorities go there. But your thought process is always keep, keep moving and keep doing things. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that uh, a lot of people, if you're not aware of, you guys will be performing the 20th anniversary of Cruelty and the Beast album on select shows. Now, tell us about revisiting that record and how those shows came to be. Well, it was all part and parcel. Unfortunately, we've had some um, 
a few legal wrangles with a couple of the ex-members, mm. but um, which has been going on for about four or five months. So originally the album would have been out last year to commemorate the 20th anniversary of uh, said release. Um, I think I think the problems are over. Uh, Sony are about to give us a release date. Um, hopefully it will coincide with the, the dates that we're doing in Europe for those shows. And yeah, it was just originally... Um, a culmination of a lot of ideas and then rather than re-release it we wanted to totally pick it apart and remix it because you know a lot of people were unsatisfied with the original mix especially standing up in today's climate um, so it took a long time there's a lot of hard work gone in it I mean it sounds fantastic and it was all at the um, at the risk of destroying the atmosphere and it's something that we worked very hard to rotate to retain so you know we've retained the atmosphere and the personality of the record without making it too modern but it's very you know the production is very full-on and aggressive and yeah i mean it's, it's great it's a good uh, revisit and i think our fans will be pleased with it we've also added uh, our cover of hallowed be thy name to it as well um had a new cover from the original sessions which was uh, quite something to to undertake too so it was with quite great disappointment when we realized that it may not actually see the light of day because of the aforementioned legal problems but uh, yeah i think that i think they're 99 if not 100 percent dealt with so so we should be looking at a release date around april may i know we're doing it select shows after that i think there's a couple maybe a couple in south america a couple in um in mainland europe where we'll be playing the entirety of the set as well but that's it. That's originally what it was about. It was literally to coincide with the release of that album. Um, and then the, the, the American tour was literally put together because the previous American tour for Cryptoriana, which was last year, didn't, well, literally only covered half half the country. So this time we like new management, you know, the opportunity to come back. Thought we're just like, bar the obvious, you know, the, the LA, the Chicago and the New York, and inevitably you'll play the same place. It's all fresh and new, all new places. This album that we're talking about, Cruelty and the Beast, which like you said, the reissue we're hoping to see right before the summertime happens out here. But the album was the first time that you did storytelling and you embraced that. Now, how important was that to the future of Cradle of Filth? Well, I think it was an important album in general because it really catapulted us into, you know, the metal mainstream. Um and yeah, it was a case of. I actually wrote in the, the in the credits. I put "Rest in peace, and I might sleep too." That was really what it was like. Got so immersed in the whole Elizabeth Bathory story, the myth, the legend, my interpretation of it, the facts. Um, that kind of got lost to it. But I think that's that's the beauty of the record. It is like this continual story. And it has a very soundtrack, cinematic feel to it. Uh, and yeah, we obviously we utilised that uh, further along the lines with Damnation in the Day, Godspeed on the Devil's Thunder, Dali Dali, Venus Versa. I think that was it. I can't remember. Was there any more? <laughs> was there any more? Yeah, I think I think we just done four. But um, I'm toying. We, 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 we're actually writing a new record at the moment. Although when we're going to finish it, I've got no idea because. When we leave for America on the 2nd of March, we're doing a few days rehearsal. I check out the new stage show and everything um, in LA. But when we come back, we go straight on the cruelty show. So I've got, we've got South America. I don't think we stop until like mid-August. Bar a day here, a bar a day there. So fitting New York album in is going to be challenging. And trying to, if I was going to write uh, a conceptual record, I think that would be even more challenging what with all the other things you have to do on the road, including writing a blog. Yeah, because that's what I think I saw was that it was gonna. You guys were gonna try to record it in the fall, is what it was. But when it comes to like a, a Cradle of Filth album conceptually and all those things, you have you get that all lined up prior to actually doing the music. Is that correct? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It sort of depends what the music's like. Um, everybody writes generally a cu- couple of tracks. And then we just see where it's going and then we work together on it and then that might give us an idea. Yeah, I can't think of any time that I've said, right, this is what the album's going to be about. 
Courty, we'd written a song which became Courty Bought the Orchids, but it was a standalone track. And it was only when they started writing more tracks that I thought, you know what, this would actually work as an extended story. So it's always been the music first. And um, that way, yeah, I, I, I think you can make it a little bit more malleable like that. If you, if you dictate from the off what it's going to be about, you're not giving the people, the musicians, enough scope in writing because you're narrowing their vision. Yeah. Well, that's my excuse anyway. No, I... <laughs> You, you you know you're almost on what is it 18 albums or is it 17 you're right up you're you're pretty close to 20 right somewhat yeah yeah a few maybe a few years off a few yeah. years off so i mean yeah you've got that craft down so you know what's going on one thing that i did find definitely interesting was there was a fake show announcement for you guys i think recently in bolivia now how many times has that happened to you guys throughout your career well strangely enough we had one last week but it turned out to be um misinterpretation because the guy was emailing and sending every every bit of contact through the name of a different festival but apparently he ran you know he ran that festival as well but he didn't tell us that so we were like we were looking it up and go well this festival we double booked that day we're playing somewhere else how come we don't know about it blah 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 given the the, you know the the promoter and uh, our booking agent a load of shit about it because it was really confusing I mean, it's happened a few times, and a few times we've had to cancel shows, geographical distances, and cancel flights. And, and Turkey, we've, we've lost two shows due to civil disruption, civil unrest, and the government banning um, large gatherings of people, you know, especially metalers. Um, yeah, and then a few times uh, in China where they've decided at the last minute that you know, the uh, foreign ministry that no Cradle of Filth Fantasy will pl- band play, even though we've been booked for like six months. But yeah, generally we make all of our all of our shows, whether it's, you know, riding the red eye all night just to, to make it happen, which sometimes it, that's what happens when you're doing festivals. So w- one thing that you recently did do music-wise is that you did do a track with Bring Me the Horizon. It was called The Wonderful Life. Now, how did you get involved with that song? I, well, I, I literally just got a, uh, uh, had a contact through from Ollie Sykes, uh, the singer, um, who's a fan of the band, <coughs> and my daughter's a big fan of his. So in the past, I've, I've got a mutual friend who's a booking agent and a representative of uh, Boomer's Horizon to like sort that out. And so yeah, there was a mutual like friendship there, I guess. Um, and then it just came out of the blue. I don't know why. The whole idea about the video actually came off better than it first sounded because when he told me about it, it was like, right. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they just didn't want to do a lyric video. Everybody does a lyric video, and they were like, we don't want to do one. We, we want to do uh, something that's a bit off the wall. So they just decided to do a video where everybody was doing something very mundane, um, uh, including me. And they thought if I was like in a full get up in a, in a very, you know, and that, you know what, that the supermarket I was in was packed. It wasn't packed, but it was, it was a working supermarket. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't, they didn't yeah. close it down for us or anything. So that was surreal in itself. That's funny. And if, for people that don't know, for the lyric video, Danny's eating cereal in the morning and then he's virtually just shopping, but full costume, full makeup. And it's it's a it's it is a lyric video technically, but to me it's a it's a music video because it's visually got you guys in there. Now, that, which brought me to the question: Have you ever had to do something you know mundane or at the last minute in full costume and full makeup in your life? Not by choice, and not not really. No, we've had to do stupid things like uh, like we were on a kids' TV program ages ago in Florence in Italy. And it was like one of those inane ones where the, where the promote, uh, you know, the sorry, the uh, uh, the host of the show are very child, like they act childish and they treat talk to you childishly. So you know, us being from Cradle of Fifth, that was very surreal. I guess once we had to go to we 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 did some TV in London and then we had to go and visit our um, solicitor because she, because we were recording an album we were in a different part of the country so we're, whilst we were in London we were going to do that we didn't have any time to take the makeup off so we literally went to our solicitors um, in full costume um, and then she took us to a coffee shop 
because the solicitors had a meeting on them. So yeah, I suppose that was a an environment where we were just sitting there in makeup. But um, I recently did a thing for Sony as well, where I did like games with a child. I played games like Hungry Hippos with a child, and I was dressed in in, in completely full costume. Did you win? Actually, no, I didn't. <laughs> That's cool, man. Let's touch on your other project as well, though, Devilment. It's it's also still active now. It's only active by default. Oh, okay. At the moment, I literally do... We, we're doing a show, strangely enough, uh, Hard Rock Hell in Birmingham this weekend. But I think it's going to be the last show for, for Devilment for quite a while because under new management, we're with the, the Oracle, which is Dez and Anastasia Fafara, you know, from um, Devil Driver, yeah, and uh, they've got some great acts and whatever. And, yeah, so compared to our previous manager, it's a complete breath of fresh air, loads of great ideas. I'm going to speak to him straight after I've spoken to you. Good friends as well, uh, and it's it's given the band a kickstart, the kickstart that they need as well, going into a new year with all these shows and et cetera. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's exciting times indeed in the moment, yeah. Recently, one thing that we did see in the news is that Cradle of Filth, you guys got that pop star wearing a metal shirt treatment when Iggy Azalea had uh, one of your t-shirts on. And your response was, any publicity is good publicity, right? So do you feel that metal fans do overreact to these things, or do you think they have the right to be upset? Oh, I really don't care. Do you know what I mean? It's such a fucking ridiculous scenario. I mean, we had Kanye West last year, and then... Kim Kardashian was selling some of our shirts online, which was like, wow. and I, yeah, and I know damn well that, that it, they've got a stylist and they think, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. I can't imagine for a fact that they were like into cradle. So they, they, as a couple bought a bunch of cradle shirts. I might be wrong, but I doubt it, you know, because I remember when David Beckham, he was in the paper and he was wearing an Exodus T-shirt. And instantly, the, the I think the Century Media at the time, they pounced on it and sent him a huge box of Exodus memorabilia, hoping that he'd you know, be really pleased. And But of course, he wasn't interested in the slightest because he had no idea what the who the band was. It was just something he was wearing to look, you know, one day a little bit, you know, ooh, and a bit ah, oh, and a bit metal. Whereas the next day, you know, he'd dress, you know, like most people just do, like a job. You know, if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, don't care. Uh, completely. It's, uh, it's, yeah, no, it's good. I mean, you know, the public re- recognition is, is always good. So I don't really think there's a downside to it, whoever's wearing it. I mean, and if you're really bothered about it, then, you know, you've got, you've really got a bit of a sad, uneventful life. I completely agree with that. So is there a pop artist, a modern day pop artist, let me say that, T-shirt that you would wear? A pop artist. Yeah. Well, I did wear one actually the other day because it just said "filthy as charged," which I really liked. But I didn't realise it was actually a Panic at the Disco shirt, and I'd, and subsequently had a little, sh- which somebody pointed out. Oh, it's got this little symbol at the bottom, and it's a Panic at the Disco shirt. Why are you wearing that? That's just really weird. And I was like, well, actually, I just like the wording on it, and I didn't realise so. Publicity, though, I always think it's a strange thing. Even when I um, interview artists, I wonder if they want quotes to be in headlines, like on all the metal sites. But I think a lot of them don't like that because when we get transcribed, it, it doesn't really catch the conversation. Oh, no. And, and obviously, yeah, there was a big time when we were always in Kerrang! magazine and they were always coming up with word bites that were, you know, derogatory, but literally being said but taken out of context, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it put us in some awkward situations with other bands at some point and with ourselves. And, yeah, I did like one where I, I, was, like, I just had a massive argument with someone in the band because they, they thought that I was, like, getting lots of money from the record company to, to buy all my gear and stuff like that. And it was... What I'd said was completely the opposite, but it had been taken out of context and, and made into like a like a heading because they were they were looking for something a bit a bit controversial, like you know, pushing the band in a different way. So they would, you know, they were they were like taking elements of the conversation and 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 building them up bigger than they actually were. And as an interviewer, I want to always the headline on one of the metal sites for you guys, you know, so we can promote everything together. But every time I seem to get those, it, it's always seen in a negative light when it's, uh, which makes me think that people don't listen to the actual interviews. They just see what's in the print. Um, is there really 
like, like as an artist, what do you prefer? Do you like to get those headlines in the, after getting interviewed or do you just prefer to have the audio out there? Well, it depends what the headlines are. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Huh? Next for Cradle of Filth, you guys, like I said, we're going to do this 20th anniversary of the Cruelty and the Beast record. What's the next Cradle of Filth record that you think deserves that 20th anniversary treatment? Okay, well, from now on in, it's literally every two years there's an anniversary. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know, really. I mean, this was this was a groundbreaking record for us, and the subject matter is great and is having a bit of a resurgence as well at the moment. And the fact that the original, this, you know, one, one thing about it was that the sound wasn't brilliant. There was whatever the reasoning was behind it. And I'm not going to go into it, but it could have sounded a lot better, especially the drums. And so it's been worthy to totally remix it from scratch and uh but utilize all the you know i mean it, it sounds the same well it's the same ingredients it just it is a better pie <laughs> um so i think that's the only one that really warrants that after that the you know the sound i think we got good production on, on most of the records and i don't really know how much but i mean we could re-release stuff yeah that's great we could try and find some you know demo stuff that's great but i think it's all been plundered so I don't know where we'd go after this, but I think, you know, I think we're due for a live album soon anyway. So I don't think, I mean, this is our first anniversary disc. I mean, we've done, we've re-released them before on other labels, but it hasn't had the sort of special caliber that this one has. You know, this, this is, this is special because it's been a real labor of love, probably taken as much as on this as we would have done a normal record because it had to be pulled apart and then put back together again. From the original tapes as well, which was difficult enough. And then I, I hear with like tapes now that they don't have the same quality as prior, but like that, that's well, they had to they had to bake them. They put them in an oven and oh. bake them, and it kind of brings brings whatever's caught on them back to life. But I should imagine there is some kind of degeneracy going on, and I'm not just talking about the band there. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. So they actually bake them, like like yep. wow. That's something I, I want to see that. I'm going to look that up on YouTube. So I want to talk about, because I always like to talk to, to people because they're music fans as well. Everybody that I talk to, artists are always fans of music. Now, one of the bands that I knew that you are a fan of is Bad Religion. and uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an argument with a friend of mine recently that the process of belief is the best record for this generation or any generation well, to start. You know it. what? Strange, it's, strange, it's strange that I had some people fixing, fitting an alarm system to my house today. Uh-huh. And... Uh, I was listening to, I just had it on random in the kitchen the, and my music system, you know, while I was doing some shit, I was trying to keep out their way, basically. Uh-huh. So I was finding things to do in the kitchen, like clean and all that rubbish. And uh, so I had it random and I just had like some extreme music come on for a while. And I thought, fuck, you know, this isn't, this isn't great conducive environment for, for people who don't even like metal and that. So I just put some random other stuff on and I actually listened to the whole of process of belief today. And yeah, I don't know what you were about to say. I think you were going to say that was the best album that they've done. Or I was going to say that I think that's the best album. I do personally feel it's the best album that they've done that represents their entire career. But I think that's the record to give to new fans at this point, like before Suffer. That's what I, 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 was I agree. I agree because I think it's it's very representative of it's like a halfway house from Suffer. Or oh, sorry, how could hell be any worse? Yeah, the whole group of you know first records that Suffer. No control, uh, generator against the grain. You know that's the old school, and then you got the new school, new maps of hell, uh, new America. Yeah. You know, I think that encapsulates old and new. So yeah, gateway, gateway album. It's a great record, dude. It's phenomenal, man. I always, it's one of those records, like you said. Every time I revisit it, I'm like, man, this is it. It just grows through the years because a lot of times when you revisit records as fans. Like for me, Generator was such an important record, and so was Recipe for Hate. But Recipe for Hate, I, I don't have that same feel with it anymore. No, no, I, I, I agree. I, I, Recipe for Hate was, to me, well, it was a great record. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Generator was a game changer as well. I think mm-hmm. all the, the, from No Control onward were game changing records. Uh, I got into them on No Control, so, so I mean, Suffer could have been, but I only got it, you know, posthumously. But Generator, I remember they brought out like a 
an EP um, with Noam Chomsky, like called Sounds of Rebellion or something like that. And they previewed Heaven is Fallen and Fertile Crescent. So different versions of it. So when you eventually got to hear the album, you know, those songs were already in your mind. They were already classics. And the song generator is just, oh, it's just amazing. But then they also did uh, Against the Grains, another awesome record that's just, just packed. I feel, I always take those three, like Suffer, Against the Grain, No Control. How Can Hell it Be Any Worse? It's a debut record. I know people consider it one of the best. But for me, I always go take those other three and I can't always package those together as there's not a bad song on any of those records. And then no. Generator, like we we're talking about, Generator, Recipe, and then when they get into Stranger Than Fiction, that's the one after Recipe. After that, I think there's a lot of experimental stuff that can go either way. Because I actually Stranger, I love Stranger Than Fiction is a fucking awesome record yes. as well. Yeah, and then they then I think uh, somebody left like Brett Gurewitz or yeah. something like that. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, they they, the, I'm not a massive fan even now of the Grey Race, and uh, the New America, and there's another one. No as well, substance, was, I think it was. No substance. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even have that as a full record. I have everything they've ever done, everything, but I've only got that as a um, promo, just because I wasn't really into it. And then he came back with the process of belief, and then since then the records all been fantastic. Perfect. Exactly. I feel the same way. Yeah, dude. And they're, they're such an important band. And I, I always felt like uh, I saw a cover band one time, I was going to say, and they're, they're going to play the, they, they said that the cover band is like, we're going to play the worst bad religion songs ever. And then I went and saw them and it was all off of no substance and all this stuff, but I enjoyed the entire set. <laughs> it's like, so their worst songs are still, still pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Danny, man, I just, uh, I love talking music. I love talking about hearing artists as fans, dude. I want everybody in North America to make sure you check out the dates, check them. Cradle of Filth, March 7th, all the way to April 18th, guys. Make sure you, you do, uh, Pick up the reissue of Cruelty and the Beast when it comes out prior to the summer if you guys don't have it yet. You guys, as Danny just said, they bake the tapes, man. You got it. And even if you do have it, it sounds so phenomenally different. It's brilliant. Yeah, and also to say that we're bringing a, a, a new, bigger, incredible stage show out with us on this tour. We're really getting the full, full whack on this. Um, we really enjoyed our tour last time, but it was it was crammed in the middle of a, of a world tour. And subsequently it wasn't very long like the portion henceforth while we're coming back to the states and doing you know the, the rest of the places we didn't do before and obviously there's going to be parts across the the dead highways so you're always going to be doing new york twice and you know chicago etc but yeah it, we're really looking forward to it it's going to be some tour exciting man exciting i can't wait i'm going to be the first city you guys hit out here so with that danny dude i want to thank you so much man for giving us the chat yeah cheers my pleasure thank you before we get to the songs i want to remind you guys that this show is sponsored by rockabilia need to stock up on some of your favorite bands merch go to rockabilia.com and put some on your wish list the one-stop shop for all your band merch needs need to buy a gift from someone and know what bands they're into pick up something from rockabilia you won't be disappointed with the selection and you can get 10 percent off with the promo code pc jabberjaw so head on over to rockabilia.com and use the promo code PCJabberJaw and save 10% today.
Metal Sucks Podcast. and we are back the first song you heard is by cradle of filth that one is called heartbreak and seance and is off their latest record crypto rihanna the seductiveness of decay if you guys haven't checked that record out yet it's a must next song guys is by wednesday 13 off of his latest record condolences that track is called what the night brings both those bands are coming out to north america to tour starting march 7th make sure you check out those records before those shows and with that, guys, that's all we got this week. I want to thank everybody for the five-star reviews we keep seeing on iTunes. If you laugh, if you enjoy us, that's all we can ask for, guys. Roll up on that iTunes account. Click five stars for our show. It means the world to us. Every time we see those numbers rising, it really does. So, And with that, guys, we'll talk to you next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.